This is The Culture. Hello, everybody. We are back with another episode of the Cinema Wave podcast. This is going to be an episode that has been highly anticipated for a very long time. We've been waiting to talk about a particular film since early on in the year. I think we covered this on our most anticipated. I don't remember. But this is a film that is out in theaters now. It was distributed by um, Paramount and Apple Original Films, and it is Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. So in this review, we're going to talk for a little bit in the beginning, non-spoiler thoughts, overall broad strokes on the film, and then we will warn you guys when spoilers will start to come in. Um, But I'm just going to start it off. I am one of your hosts. My name is Darian Scalamoni. I am joined by... Liz (laughs) Sago. I'm also joined by our producer today... (laughs) I'm Zach. I'm Zach <laughs> this is a film that we've talked about a decent amount off screen now. Yes. And we just said we just need to turn the cameras on and we need to we start gotta going. We got to start at going. It. Otherwise, we'll be talking for forever. This is a film that has been in development for as long as I could remember. I remember being in college and hearing that this was the next project Scorsese wanted to do. And that was in 2016. He put it on pause. Obviously, he reworked a lot of it. Um, I think he did Irishman in between. I don't think he's done anything besides Irishman in between. I think he finished silence. This was going to be his next project. He wrote the script, uh, and then reworked a lot of it after meeting with the Osage community and things like that. Um, but if you guys are not aware, or you guys maybe, uh, haven't seen the trailer yet, I'll give you guys a quick breakdown on what the story is. So, uh, basically that it is about the discovery of oil in Osage, Oklahoma in the 1920s and the Osage Nation land where um, white, predominantly white men are coming into town and are discovering this oil and realizing that if they start marrying Osage women as well as um, start to get basically the right to the um, money and what comes uh, after these people pass, that they are the ones to reap the benefit of it and all the riches that come with what these people have. Um, so a big part of it is that another big part of it is the FBI investigation that eventually comes into play with this. Again, that's not a spoiler that is fully given to you, not only in the trailer, but also this is based on a highly widely acclaimed novel, um, that one, um, of us in here has read fully Zach. So we're going to lean on Zach a lot in terms of the, um, sort of relationship and companionship to mm-hmm. how it was with the book. Um, this is a film that stars two of Scorsese's muses, Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. Their first time acting opposite one another since This Boy's Life, which was 1993. So it's been 30 years since they've acted in a film together. So there's a lot of anticipation for that. Um, also, Lily Gladstone is uh, the female lead in this. She plays um, Leo's uh, Leo's wife, Molly Burkhart, and she's getting tons of acclaim for her role in it as well. The other two leads are also getting acclaim. Other people in the film include Jesse Plemons, John Lithgow, Brendan Fraser, who won the Oscar last year, Tantu Cardinal, Cara Jade Myers. Um, a lot of great up-and-coming Osage talent, I think, is going to come out of this film, so mm-hmm. we'll get into that as well. But again, just broad strokes, uh, I want to start with Liz. Uh, what were your overall thoughts, without giving too much in terms of spoiler territory away, that you thought of the film overall? Yeah, overall thoughts. Um, I think it was a good film, uh, sh- beautifully shot, very gorgeous uh, images that they got of the land and showing the actual world of the Osage people. Um, 
Lily Gladstone for me was everything in this film. I think she really carried the heart of it on her back. Uh, I'm totally one of those people that think that she deserves to be nominated and as of right now probably win um, just from the other films that I've seen. I think her performance was just very standout in contrast for what the other actors were portraying on camera. She was just giving a different take, which was really refreshing to see. Um, De Niro, I thought he was great too. I think he gave a very different character than he usually does, which was nice. Um, I don't think I would say it's his best performance. I know I've seen that a little bit. Um, it was good. I think it's one of the better performances he's done in a little while, but I wouldn't say it's his overall best I've ever seen. Um, Leo for me was not it. I will get more into that later. But overall, I think um, it's a good film. I have a strong opinion on very long films. I I think it's too much to ask of your audience to go see something that's over two and a half hours. And in my opinion, this did not need to be three and a half hours. This could have easily been in that two and a half hour range. An hour could have been not necessarily taken out, but definitely pacing issues. I think it was slow and you started to lose attention and momentum especially kind of in that like third three-fourths of the way in um but overall i mean beautiful technically done scorsese i mean he, he delivers in his department of making a beautiful film zach um yeah i i like what you said too about momentum being lost because i that's how i felt through a lot of the way um honestly from like halfway towards the end there was a pacing issue and i thought that they left out very heavy content from the book that could have been more engaging to the viewer than a lot of the pacing that they chose to go with because it was very slow paced and just being a fly on the wall with Ernest at points <clears throat> and then also very repetitive scenes mm -hmm. that it just felt that okay yes we've seen this before you're talking about these murders and then you're gonna go commit them in the next scene and this kind of stuff is happening so that felt very repetitive over time and i understand his emphasis that he was trying to inform us yes these are cold calculated people meticulously planning these murders and they have many options to get out if they wanted to, but they, they chose not to. And that's probably the message and what he's trying to do. But however, it was not as engaging, I think, as it was trying to be. Mm -hmm. So that I think suffered for it. But obviously it is a very technically well-made film. Like Scorsese has an understanding of making movies that very few can rival. And um, he just always delivers on making us so immersed in these worlds and bringing in an engaging experience to the viewer and just about all of his movies. So when some of those marks were missed in this movie for me, I was a little dissatisfied, but De Niro was great. Gladstone was a great, I mean, she's had other roles before, but this is like her breakout role. Like yeah. she really showcased her abilities and talents with, the, with this. So I'm really excited to see what she does. But I felt like it missed some of the marks for me. Yeah, I think the craftsmanship of this movie is, like you said, it's unparalleled. It's it's brilliant. I think that as a filmmaker, there are not many that can rival 
the resume and the filmography and the longevity, especially of someone like Martin Scorsese. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there is an aspect of this film where he wanted to make another gangster film, which is such a, cause you really can't say he is limited or he has a niche cause Scorsese has worked on every sort of film. I mean, he's done children's films. He did Hugo, but uh, gangster would definitely be his wheelhouse, so to speak. And I think that there are elements of that that um, interweave nicely in this, but sometimes it's overbearing and it over uh, saturates the historical aspects of uh, the importance of what actually happened for uh, the Osage community and the people of color in this film. I think that um, I think we're all on the same page in terms of Leonardo DiCaprio, um, which is unfortunate because he's an Oscar winner. He's one of our greatest talents, um, one of America's greatest exports, some <laughs> might say. But uh, there's something that uh, – there are moments in this film personally that I feel that he does a good job. But there are other times where I feel like he completely loses touch with the character and he's not acting the same way that the character uh, should be um, – portrayed the way that they're trying to get it across on screen is not the way he's acting yeah um de niro uh i will agree uh, i don't think it's his best performance ever like you had said i think this is by far his best performance in a very long time yeah uh, i think so many of his really good performances come in like prior to 2000 and that's <laughs> where it gets because think about it we're in 2023 it's been a very long time since he's had a level of commitment uh to a role and like Zach was saying there uh so much of this story is baked in greed and corruption and Scorsese plays well in that wheelhouse and it's very admirable the job that he did to work alongside Osage people and work in the Osage community film it on Osage land and try to get as historically accurate as possible but there are storytelling techniques that happen within this that um lean you as an audience member in a direction where it doesn't feel as um, validated and it doesn't feel as fulfilled probably for that community of people. And as someone who's not in that community of people, I felt it at times, which I think we uh, all sort of echoed that sentiment. Um, I think right now we'll probably start to dive into spoilers as we just gave our broad thoughts. So if you guys have hung on that long, thank you. If you haven't seen the movie yet, please go see Killers of the Flower Moon and then come back and uh, view this next section of our conversation. If you guys have seen it, strap in. Buckle up. Because there's a lot to talk about. Um, I want to start with uh, breaking down uh, the pacing of this film. Because as okay. Liz has uh, alluded to, it's a film that's very lengthy. Three hours, 26 minutes. Uh, there are moments that uh, maybe some of us would think we could cut out there. But I wanted to if, – if each of you can give – maybe a pinpointed section of the film where you felt something could have been changed structurally that would have enhanced the viewing experience for you. Let's start with, let's start with Zach this time. Let's go, let's go opposite direction here. Um, Hit us with it. Yeah. I, I think uh, just and if you want this to be a time to talk about the, oh, parts the, book? Of the book, this could be a good, if there are certain sections sure. where you felt whatever Absolutely. you want to do, you steer the conversation, my friend. Sure. Okay. So with the book, I also, first I want to make a scold, not really scolding hot take, but <laughs> the the book blows this movie out of the water because the way that it's structured is very um, – first half is about a lot of Molly, a lot of her perspective, a lot of the other community members that are being killed, um, a lot of how they were 
um, displaced and put onto this territory to find the oil. They come across to be very wealthy people. Um, and then it goes into how this became a boom town for oil and then it, it, it grows. And then, uh, Hale becomes a pretty prominent figure in this community. He's a, a pretty and Hale is De Niro's character. Yes. Yeah. Hale is De Niro's character and he, um, kind of stitches himself into the community as a wealthy person. He's trying to invest in people and playing this role model for other people but then you have um a lot of white men moving into town trying to marry into these families and then um it's really not revealed <clears throat> not revealed that he's involved in the murders until about like halfway or so like or little clues that try to allude it to that or people are saying oh i really have some things that i gotta say about Hale. like this guy is not everything he's he's chalked up to be mm -hmm. so there's always suspicion but you're never sticking with him it's about the family members that are being killed off and then the second half of the book which i thought was dramatically cut was tom white is the fbi agent and it's and also that's jesse Plemons' character yes yeah. just jesse Plemons' character and he is spearheading this investigation and the FBI warns him that there are several private investigators that and attorneys that have been looking into these murders. They've also been killed. So you might be going in with a target on your back. Like we don't know. Like, like you better tread carefully. And this is like in the early infancy of the FBI. Yeah. And they also allude to the fact that in the book, after everything was solved and stuff, the FBI used this case as another way to exploit their endeavors and oh this is we, why we need the fbi like federal men can do this and you know like the fbi is an institution that like hoover really pushed that um just narrative onto people that the f and the Lindbergh case like a lot of other things that happened in the 20s and 30s so it really boosted morale for hey we need the fbi and that kind of situation so that was another thing that was really left out and because the second half as Tom is discovering more of the details, <clears throat> more confessions are happening, more um, more of the the killings are un are unraveling, and also like thing things are starting to become more apparent that Hale and Ernest are involved in this situation. So Ernest is definitely in the fold in the first half, but he is not the focus that the movie painted him as. So in the so, book, really quick. When um, when uh, Tom uh, Tom Green, you said right, or Tom White? I'm Tom sorry, White. Tom. When Tom White is doing the discovering of these murders in the book, uh, especially in the second half, is he focusing so much then on the investigation? I mean, obviously he's probably arresting and convicting multiple people for what's happening, but the focus is more on him trying to get Hale rather than Ernest. It's mostly Hale um, because. Hey, a lot of people are pointing fingers like you guys got to look into Hale like there and he's trying to round up his inner circle um which and one of them is Ernest and then there are other people in town that are complicit in these murders and stuff like that yeah so Ernest is kind of the bigger one because he's married to Molly who has the head right which mm -hmm. is like your inheritance to this wealth and land and um so he's also the nephew of Hale so yeah. that that becomes he becomes a bigger 
focus a little later on and someone that they can build their case around because he's confessing about a lot of these murders and what the role was that he played with his uncle. So that's kind of <clears throat> what it, what happens. Um, I just skimmed through it again the other night cause I read it two years ago. So it was a little bit of a refresher, but that's generally how it happens. So uh, yeah, when, it, when the pacing is really around earnest and from the book, at least there, we don't know every detail that was happening with these conversations, these plannings, other things like that. Like we don't know what the, the conversations were with Hale and him in the room all the time. Like there are some things that people were there for other things we don't know. Um, so when it took so much time to focus on Leo and him, it, it almost like pulled back the veil too early of like, okay, these people were involved. Now let's just go watch them kill another person and kill another person. Well, they basically treat him like the ringleader with, uh, De Niro's, uh, uh, King William Hale or William King Hale, uh, sort of being like the patriarch of the movement, but so much of it cycles through earnest and not in a way where he seems like meticulous or like focused like he's a simpleton as a character which mm-hmm. we'll dive into in, in uh at length but that's the part now hearing like what the book's experience is too it makes me wish that again leo was not the focus of this this film and, and liz I, I do want to hear your thoughts too but just to give a little bit of exposition for the audience this is a film that when it first came to development, uh, it was rumored heavily that Scorsese went to DiCaprio to play the Tom White FBI agent role. And DiCaprio did not want to play that character. And so he was um, – in reading the book, he thought that there was a real heart in the film based on the relationship of Ernest and Molly. And so they took a step back. They reevaluated. They looked into it. And I, I think DiCaprio and De Niro <laughs> both might be producers on it. That might be part of the reason why it would happen, but they basically restructure a big section, at least in the film adaptation, on the relationship between Ernest and Molly Burkhart, which is Leo and Lily Gladstone. But so much of that is not the focus of the book that I think that that's where a big disconnect sort of happens. Um, and Jesse Plemons uh, plays the role of Tom White, as we said, in this, and it's sort of condensed even in that last maybe hour and a half that he is in the film – he doesn't get much screen time. He gets. I think he has, says like he gets two maybe, lines. He gets maybe like. no. He gets maybe like twenty minutes of screen time. Yeah. But it's not. It's not even like it's not even a role that would probably like in my. I, I think he's a terrific actor. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in the, that performance that to me would garner any sort of anything for him, which I think is sad because I think if she was on the other foot, like if maybe I don't know, maybe Leo turns down the role of. Um, or maybe Leo takes on the role of Ernest in like a backseat sort of capacity and Jesse Plemons really gets the shine as Tom White. There, I could just see there being a pathway for him to be successful because mm-hmm. I think he's a terrific actor. But um, Liz, in terms of the structure and things, if there was anything you wanted to comment on. Yeah. Um, so I don't think there was anything necessarily that I would have been like, oh, this scene like needs to be cut right away. I just think that the last hour, the pacing for me, it was so slow. And in that essence, like I, I know um, they say in the beginning, like the Osage people, they 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 don't speak. They don't fill like the time they they let silence be silence. 
But the whole last hour was just the the men. It wasn't any of the natives. So that argument like is out because I think if you're trying to make a moment being unveiled in the last hour, there needs to be some momentum and some buildup. While for me, it was just repetitive information being told in different ways. It was like, okay, let's tell you the same thing, but let's have you listen to it in a deposition. Let's have you listen to it in court. And then let's also reenact the scene for you to see it. And so it's like hitting the audience over the head multiple times. And I don't really love films that make the audience uh, feel kind of like in order to be entertained, you kind of need to not be aware of what's happening, if that makes sense. Like, I think to be to make your audience go on a long ride like this of three and a half hours, you have to lead us dying to find out what happens and leave us with a cliffhanger and leading us to wanting to know, oh, my God, like, who did it? Who did the murders? Or is she ever going to find out? And I just feel like in the first 20 minutes, we knew right away who the murderers were and that it was going to be a problem when Lily Gladstone's character found out that all this was going to be happening because her character in the beginning was defined as such a strong, opinionated, willed woman. And so then to have her just sit sit with her husband who killed everybody and almost potentially killed her, like that would have been terrible. So we as the audience are smart enough to know that she's not going to let that happen. And I think that they wanted us to just be a little bit more naive and kind of be like, oh, I, I wonder if he really did do it or if he really believed he was helping her. And it's like, no, he the la yeah. So the last hour for me was just repetitive information and slow. <laughs> my, big, my biggest gripe, I think, is um, also you took probably two thirds of the movie to talk about Ernest and to show it from his perspective. Why are you making him morally ambiguous? Yeah. Why are you showing us that he is like perplexed at the fact that, oh, he's asking me to kill him and stuff? Like maybe in the beginning, he actually has some reservations about it. But once he starts to plan it and plot it, then he goes through the bombing at the house. There were at least four or five, maybe more scenes before that where he's like, okay, now I'm going to go talk to this person mm -hmm. because they owe me from a job before. And then we're going to collect the insurance money on this. And then we're going to do this. Oh my gosh. And then when the bombing happens, oh my gosh, I didn't know that she was going to, I know he was like, what? like, why was, why are you shocked by that? Yeah. Like, and then as a filmmaker, when you're choosing to use those scenes, are you really trying to make us empathize with him that, oh, I was manipulated into the situation? You were not manipulated into the situation. You were participating. Yeah, you were participating. You were complicit. You were literally poisoning your wife. Yeah. Killing her family members and complicit in those situations. How are we morally on some fine line? And then by the end, you're like, oh, I feel bad. Or should I feel bad for him? He's in jail. He, he wasn't there for this moment. He no. And then there, and then also you have the room of people at the end of the movie that are like, oh, you know, he's going to go away for, to jail for a long time if you confess. Like, Hale's going to go away. To, why are we morally challenging us with Ernest? He was a vessel of manipulation. He was a cold-blooded person. Mm -hmm. And that's all I got from the book, too. Like, there was no challenge of I was... Like, if he was really manipulated, he would have confessed earlier. And also... 
his confessions in the book lead you to think that he's saving his own skin. Yeah. And that he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I didn't want to do it. But, you know, I had like he's trying to get out of that situation. Yeah. Anybody who's cold blooded is doing those things. And he just got caught. Yeah. So that was and, it. Yeah. I think like the last hour or two for me, it became more about is uh, is Leo's character going to tell the truth and out De Niro's character rather than is Molly going to find out the truth and what is she going to do about yes. it? Like the ending should have focused on her, the unveiling to her and what is her wrath? Like, what does she do to her husband? Exactly. Not like, ooh, is he going to backstab his like quote unquote uncle? Oh my God, like you can't rat out your family. That was the whole, that's what they made the whole last hour well, about. Well, she's also in a hospital bed for like that last hour for majority of it, which I think is a, is a storytelling failure. Yeah, like, I, think I, think it's, I think it's a waste. I think it's a, it's a poor uh, pacing thing with that. Mm -hmm. And I do, to play devil's advocate for a second as someone who did not do read it. the book. Play devil's advocate. In terms of Ernest and his character, right? So much of it is not explained. And again, you, you talked about how it was perceived, how it seemed like he was trying to save his own skin. But there's a lot with the character based on the book from what I understand that there's not much known about him in the book he's not a character that uh, for lack of a better term people don't understand that he's like fifth on the call sheet in the mm -hmm. book so to speak yeah. and if that is the case and so much of the story is going to be crafted in a way where whether it's leo that made the determination or it's scorsese or it's the co-writer eric roth decide to go in a direction where so much of the story is going to be through the lens of Ernest and molly and their relationship around everything else that's happening it's hard to understand exactly what they wanted us to get out of the character. And that's yes. where I think the biggest struggle with his character comes from, because I think in terms of there, like I said, there are moments in this where I actually do feel for his character. And even like there, I know that I shouldn't, but there are times where it's like, Oh, like I kind of understand that there it like, I really love the scene when uh, they first have dinner together, mm -hmm. when the storm happens. And that's a scene where, like, you can actually start to see he has, like, and he does it in his own simpleton way, like, saying he likes the color of her skin and things like that. But you don't – that's how we're – that's how the character is perceived to us. That's how he's sort of broken down for us, even in the first conversation he has with King, that he, it's, he seems like a guy that's a little slow. Now, you don't know if that might mean that – that it's because of trauma because he was in war times and he lost his intestines. You know, you don't, you don't really get a lot from that, but that's where I think there's a really weird gray area in terms of the development of that character and choosing to focus on that relationship as a vital point of the story yeah. ultimately hurt it as a whole. Yeah. And I think that that's where it's speaking for speaking for people like Liz was saying they, they beat you over the head with, so much information, but but for some people, they're still going to come out of it being like, oh, well, you know, it, it's Leonardo DiCaprio and he he is a handsome guy. And, and yeah. she talks about that a lot in the movie and you do feel bad for him. And it's like, that's not how you're supposed to feel about it. Yeah. But then there's other moments that are very nuanced where they explain to the audience in a better way what's happening, like him reading the Osage stories and he's looking at the wolves in the picture and how they're he's talking about how it's like they're hiding in plain sight which is like basically the symbolic it's yeah. symbolic mm -hmm. on what's happening yeah but that's something to me that storytelling wise that's something that i can i i understand a lot more and it 
it feels smarter. Yeah. And yes. it feels like something that's elevated and it feels yes. like something that is crafted in a way with <sighs> care. And that's why I think so much of this film has a struggle because so much of the story is mm. built around a relationship amidst this really haunting and cruel and very dark. This is one of the darkest movies he's ever made, Absolutely. in my opinion. Yeah. So I think that that's that's a big that's a big issue with the movie as a whole is being able to craft so much of this through his character and leaving this yeah ambiguous sort of feeling. You know, I, what I mean? what, to go with your point too in the beginning. So if you were like, I think he wanted to go with this goal of like he obviously betrayed this woman. He obviously betrayed these people, and he was a killer for that. Um, but if you're kind of goes back to what we're saying, less Leo in the movie. And if you start with him being romantic, he's actually like warming up to this woman. She, she trusts him at this point, make him disappear for another, like, I don't know, 30 minutes of the movie. So it's like, okay, she has a loving husband. At least he's there for her in this really dark time. Mm -hmm. And all these people are dying. And then later on, Unveil it. Unveil it. It'd be yes. like, oh my gosh, he was poisoning me this whole time. Oh my gosh, he killed my sister. Then you really feel that impact mm -hmm. of weight on on all of them. And that that she feels naive and she feels gullible to these people. And, that she, and obviously she was taken advantage of. And then you can also still don't show that he's a killer until later because you could show these scenes where, oh, hey, I'm rooting for you, honey. I'm really going to try and go to the bank. I know they don't like Native Americans taking money out, but I'm going to fight for you. And the same thing yeah. with Hale. The same thing with Hale is how he manipulated these people into thinking that he was for the people. But instead, he would try and warm up to them, get literally insurance policies on their death mm -hmm. just in case they died and then they were murdered a couple days later. But then you have to paint this as like, these oh we should trust these people they're they they're seeking our best interest they have it at heart but then at the halfway point the three quarters of the way point unveil that no they were also part of the problem they were manipulating you that betrayal hurts even worse because they're your husband they're yeah. your uncle like everyone don't give us this raising like i raised an eyebrow i was like really like you want me to feel bad for him by the buy end. into it a little yes. bit yeah, yeah i i think that was the issue for me too was right from the beginning you knew that both de niro and leo's characters were in on this and, and on all the killings and i just wish that the audience had been a little bit more left in the shadows and not knowing the ending in the beginning mm. because again like i said in order to make it through a three and a half hour movie you kind of have to be holding out for something and to just show that yeah. unveiling right away um was just then the whole time i was like okay what are we what are we leading up to and then for me i thought we were leading up to the moment that um molly's character realizes what happened and then she has the big realization um and i, I liked the ending scene with her of asking him like what were you poisoning me with um i just wish that they had given her more time i think that the whole last hour would have been much more nuanced if it was from lily's point of view and her character's point of view of finding this out because it's like at what point does she realize like her hu her husband's been poisoning her and, yeah. and like yeah she she asks him out up front because she probably has a hunch but 
I just feel like they missed that whole point of view because they were so focused on uh, Leo deciding to go against his uncle. And yeah. so, yeah. I yeah. Mean, I, th I think that that big, that big section, which in big section is, is putting it lightly. It's majority of the movie where the it's based in this romance. I think there's a way that you could craft this movie where so much of it is based in Osage tradition mm -hmm. and the Osage nation while still establishing the role of, of that William King Hale played in the community because he does have a major role in the community and he has a major role in terms of being a trusted white man within the Osage nation. And that, like you said, is displayed in the book. Um, not as much in a relation to Ernest, so to speak, but I think that so much of that time and that could cut some time out of the film realistically. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I think having it revolve around um, Molly's character, having Ernest, whether it would be Leo or not, as a secondary character, maybe having another native. I thought that um, I thought that Cara Jade Myers, who played her younger sister Anna, is like a star in the making. Yeah, she I thought awesome. she was terrific in the limited screen time she got. And so again, maybe you do some more with her character and building up. Uh, one of the other things we talked about is in terms of. Uh, the way they portrayed time in this film was also poor. They they Crazy. just didn't really – they weren't able to give the audience enough of a description. Even something is – and I'm not like crazy into all this when sometimes you'll see like a little uh, bottom third where it's like 1923 and then another bottom third. It's like six months later. Like I don't need the repetitiveness yeah. of that. But I needed it a little bit though just yeah, to understand they jump, it. They jump in time. So many – like they talk about – one of the sisters dying and mm -hmm. then another sister dies and they're like, oh, well, you lost this sister this week. You lost the other one three years ago. And it's like, how did we just get through three years of, of life experience yeah. in the runtime of 20 minutes yet we'll cover something that will feel like it's like even the bombing sequence. I think that takes place really only like over a couple of weeks or whatever it is. And it seems like it's been months yeah. of planning, but that's not I don't think that's necessarily the case. Yeah. So and there's more people dying in that time span. Yeah. Too. The only so, ones they really cover are the um, the siblings and the, yeah, and then the yeah. one the one guy uh, I forget his character name because he's only in the scene where he dies. Oh, the, Henry Roan. Oh, Henry Roan too. Talk about the guy in the yeah. white suit, the uh, oil. The oh, yeah, the guy that they just they yeah. just basically kill mm -hmm. off. Um, but yeah, I I I think that um, trying to turn attention, I guess, to some of the things because we uh, overall we we. Like the film, we didn't. Completely I think it was beautiful. The like technically, it was gorgeous. There were some shots that I was like, "Wow, I'm so glad I'm seeing this in theater because mm. just the um, like panning that he was doing was like." I just keep thinking of when he was in the beginning. It must have been like the first ten minutes when they're showing all the land and all the like cows. I was like, "Wow, that's oh, yeah. so it's so beautiful." Just what they what he was able to show of their land, um, and even like the ending shot. Of oh yeah, when, when they're, they're doing their ceremonial, yeah, when he's yeah. pulling out, um, I thought it was just really beautifully done. I think uh, Scorsese gave enough. He just gave a really beautiful like homage to their land and their rituals, while trying to incorporate it in this storyline. Which I don't love the storyline. I think that they made it a little bit too crazy. But I think he did a nice job of um, just representing what they what their people would want to represent probably you know what's interesting to me sorry zach um mm -hmm. they're doing he's obviously he's on a press tour right now scorsese for mm -hmm. this 
And they asked him a question about Tarantino wrapping up with his 10th film because they're oh. both in that like upper echelon of, of film legends, okay. so to speak, right? And he said he doesn't really have an opinion. He's like, because he goes, I love Tarantino as a filmmaker. He goes, but to me, he's a writer. And he goes, and that's just a different element to me. That's not who I am. Now, Scorsese co-wrote this film. Scorsese has wrote films before. <laughs> I think that to echo what you just said, technically, directorially, this movie is fantastic. Beautiful. It is an epic. Yeah. It is harrowing. It is haunting. There are so many aspects of it that are placed beautifully, but structurally and tonally, that's where things start to get a little muddy. Yeah. And I think that I'm curious, especially with the timing of of the of that quote coming out. It's like I'm very curious, like how much of this was like a daunting task for him that he didn't want to do it this way because uh, the script was rewritten a few times and it doesn't necessarily follow. But I, I do know that he talked about going to the Osage community and being able to talk to them, and that was a really important aspect that he spent a lot of time on in the making of this film. And I agree with what you said, Liz. I think that a lot of that is beautiful. I just thought there was room for more of it, and mm -hmm. there was a way that you could have done it. By making Lily Gladstone the lead and not Leo. Yeah. yeah. I, she I, should have been she should have been the focus on this film and not him. Um, and I stand by that. And decision. even more De Niro. Like I would like more De Niro if that's yeah. true in the novel. And I would definitely want more Jesse Plemons. I would want more of the of the FBI side of it. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Uh, so I even thought so there is two things. Lily Gladstone was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I thought she was completely underused. Yeah. Like I thought she was so good that kind of what you were saying before, DJ, of like there was a lot to her performance, but um, when it comes down to critically evaluating it, and if she were to win an award, she she's going to be in that category, most likely in the Oscars by the end of the year. But the amount of screen time, I hope, doesn't suffer for her, her mm -hmm. um, credential. So... You know, because a lot of other leading or supporting actresses in upcoming movies, um, they might have more screen time. But yeah, I just hope that um, she she she's going to be great in anything that she goes on to do. But the screen, I hope the screen time doesn't affect her. And then also um, to go off of the more with with tom tom white as and jesse plemons i i just felt like he deserved more there was a lot and there was one thing that really bothered me why by the end they basically try and tie up the story of like oh okay um i heard this news from this one guy in town that Hale did the murders. And then he's like, all right, let's go talk to him. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, he did it? Oh, okay, great. Case like solved. Done. One person? No, there yeah. was half of a and book. It, it, happen it happens rather quickly. Like, yes. Hale gets convicted very quickly. Very quickly. Glossed over. And there's so much more, which we talked about a little bit off camera. Mm -hmm. There's so much more to the conviction and the interrogation and the lead up mm -hmm. in that last hour and a half probably of the film, maybe last hour, but I think it's a little bit more than that, where we're seeing Ernest's character and Blackie Thompson's character and um, the other guy who I also thought was good in the film, who I haven't seen much of him, uh, the guy with the mustache. I can't find his character. Oh, the brother. Yes. Um, Not the brother. He was good. Byron was good yeah. too. But the guy, the guy that had the family that found AC to get the bombing, who shot uh, Ron um, – yeah, I know who you're talking Henry, about. Henry uh, Rowan, the guy who killed Henry Rowan. You know right. what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, 
there's so much of that built in those characters. And then William Hale is just in jail. And then the next time you see him, he's in court. Yeah. And then yes. for, there's no interaction also between uh, King Hale and Ernest in that whole like 25 to 30 minutes of the film. Yeah. No. There's it's no interaction. Regurgitating information of like, and this is who did this though. And this is who did this. And this is who did this. Even though we all, we all saw it already happen. They were just regurgitating information. Yeah. It, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I, I really wanted more of a buildup. There was so like literally half of a book of Tom solving and piecing together all of these and clues. And figuring it out. Paperwork. He's literally going to the medical examiners, the medical examiners who cut that woman's head. Mm -hmm. um, they literally stole bullets. Yeah. They couldn't, they, which was, I felt like wasn't explained enough well. Like they kind of just start hacking away at her head yeah. in the one scene and then i feel like other people might have been like what are they doing um and then there's the one scene where they're like oh yeah we just we misplaced oh, it's it it's gone it's yeah. gone and then they're like okay all right which again it's like which well was, that's obvious that okay. they took it like, so why are we not getting the fbi saying hey this was really weird mm -hmm. that the medical examiners said this like we should look into that like there should be more fbi okay we have to piece this together and i the one fbi scene the cutaway when they show all the different people that were in town as undercover yeah that aspect that was i really like i love that yes. because we weren't in the know like there was just too much of like oh the audience already knows this but who cares let's yes. tell them again anyways like that was a nice surprise because yeah. i didn't pick up on that yeah. But it's I think they just wanted us to be very naive audience members, and it's like we weren't. Well, I I, I yeah. wonder too because you you talked about it in the beginning of this episode where you talk about runtime and and mm -hmm. um uh, what was the word you used that you uh, that you don't you think oh pretentious you think that it's pretentious that's what you said right to yeah I think it's over pretentious two and a half hours, to yeah. have like your audience watch anything that's over two and a half hours because. It, like to me, no story takes that long to tell. Well, I'm curious because with Scorsese, I feel like he might be in this direction at the end of his career, mm -hmm. and God forbid, and he's older. He's an elderly man. He's 81 years old, Martin Scorsese. But I wonder if now he's at this place in the in his storyteller brain, his filmmaker brain, that he just wants to tell these big, epic, long stories. Mm -hmm. Like, you got to think about the last, how many movies he's made all have been very lengthy. I mean, I haven't seen Silence, but I think Silence clocks in at at least two and a half hours. The Irishman is over, over three yeah. hours. Um, I'm just double checking. Yeah, so oh Silence God. is two hours and 40 minutes. Which, that's a good timing, I feel like. That's But that's you got to think, how many people make two hour and 40 minute movies nowadays? But who, who, that's what I'm saying. Who the hell is going to make three and a half hour movies? Irishman was 329 and this was 326. So, so much, so much of this is baked in him wanting to tell these stories, which I respect and I, I will show up all the time for them, but... Again, why are you doing it in this way? Yeah, like, that's that's where I'm starting right. to get the misstep because it's it's like he and that's where I'm like I'm trying to figure out where his brain was at in making this because you're trying to satisfy so many different types of people in what he's doing. You have to think even to the business type, which I don't like to get into this that often. Someone had to buy this movie, mm -hmm. and this is a movie that unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to tell the story. A lot of people don't want to see the story. And the only reason, not the only reason, but one of the big reasons I feel like it was able to get made is because Scorsese was attached to it. Leah was attached to it. De Niro was attached to it. 
Lily Gladstone wasn't a name, like Zach said. Mm-hmm. Mind you, a terrific actress, but was not a name. And he had to go to Apple to get this movie made. Yeah. And to get distribution. So there's a big part of it there, too, where it's like, all right, well, how much of this how much of this sort of leveraged was on the shoulders of of Scorsese to try to make a movie that was appealing to audiences, but tell the story that he wanted to tell, that was still authentic to the Osage people, give a spotlight to Osage talent. Like there, there's so much baked in this pie mm-hmm. that makes this like one of the even after the fact, having all of us seen it, I feel like it's going to be one of the most interesting films for a very long time in discussion yeah absolutely because there's so much there's so much to dive into with it well i also think my argument to that would be like why couldn't he just get a different writer then like if he's like if he's juggling all of that why didn't he have somebody from the osage community as a writer on this to give their opinion why did he have to be one of them yeah um i will say (laughs) I I gladly would have watched Lily Gladstone for three and a half hours if she was the lead. Yeah. Oh, I would too. I thought I was her... just talking in the logistics of. Yeah. The I mean, like, I really think I don't. I usually don't love films that are over three hours, just because I do think that you start to lose uh, nuances. Mm-hmm. But I just think her performance was so incredible. Like her arc that she was doing from the beginning versus the middle, even with the small ending that she had. I she's also doing something that I think a lot of films are leaning, a lot of actors at least are leaning away from. I think a lot of actors in their head, they're like, okay, I wanna get nominated. I'm gonna give this like heart-wrenching, look, show that I'm working hard. A show performance, Yes, yeah. kind of what Leo did in like the interrogation scene. Like, oh my God, I'm gonna look crazy and that I haven't slept for hours. Like I'm gonna make everybody feel it. And instead, she went the complete opposite way of making this grounded, not showing all of her cards. And it was just a really refreshing performance that I really feel is going to stick with a lot of people for a long time. And I think that's why she's standing out um, to critics for a nomination, because once again, a lot of awards, they just go to the person that cries the best or has the biggest yelling scene. And hers, everything was bottled up inside and you were only able to see things through her eyes because she also didn't speak in a lot of her scenes. No, um, no a lot of quiet. A lot of quiet. A observation. Lot of, yes. like she, she's scanning people. Like, mm-hmm. do I trust this person or not? Yeah. Yeah. And I think... And she finally let it all out in that one scene when she went in the the bombing scene. Oh, my God. But even then, they didn't do some super tight close up of watching her scream. They had the camera looking down on her far away. And she even turned away from the camera when she was screaming. And I just think it was beautifully done because for me, she wasn't trying to give the most emotional performance she was just really living in this character absolutely yeah even even technically like uh, like you were just talking about the way they shot that scene too so much of it goes to like the things we learned in film school too like mm-hmm. that high angle shot of making leo literally has the high ground yeah yeah, yeah. And, and like even uh i really i love the way they showed the bombing scene like it's showing them in bed just settling in bed and then it cuts to like a few hours later where like you 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 see them get into bed into bed and then it's like just a, a quick cut and you see that it's a little bit darker outside and then the explosion just happens. And that's why, again, like craft wise, it's great. I it's think beautiful. it might be the best movie of the year in terms of craftsmanship, like mm-hmm. between that and Oppenheimer. And I do. Th- this just popped in my head because I said Oppenheimer and I wanted to go back to this for a second. 
what you were talking about with the mystery aspect of the story and how and you two have alluded to like the veil being lifted there's that in oppenheimer with the like rdj remy malik aspect to it where yeah. you could have done yeah. the same thing in this you could have kept the story structure of oppenheimer and put it in this film and it would have been to me, arguably one of the best films of the year. Yeah. If you had kept it, it that get to that level. To if me. you had never shown that Leo knew any of this, and then all of a sudden in the last half an hour you unveil that he actually was one of the one people orchestrating all of this, oh my God, I would have been blown away. But they just showed that he was too involved. Also, loved I thought that the scene um after like when he's walking up to the bombing scene like he's looking like he's crying but the whole time i was like you planned this yes like why it are bothered you bothered me so much and like for me it's like okay i get it as that character you want to sh- like save your face and make it seem like you're upset by this because you're supposed to be but then if you already have the audience aware that you did this you need to kind of show that little bit of like i'm faking it so that everybody else thinks that i didn't do this Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean yeah putting on a mask yeah yeah put like make him seem like he's putting on a mask for the people around him and honestly he didn't look like that he looks like he was genuinely upset and i was like i'm so confused Mm -hmm. by this man's motives and like what he's doing right but then here comes Scorsese coming in with a beautiful shot when they come back into the house after he was at the bombing and you, the camera is looking for the for all the women and the children. Do you guys mm. remember this moment? Yeah. Yeah, the P, it's a P, isn't it a POV? Or no. Was it? Mm, I took I don't it more as like POV, no. I don't but, think so. But I know he's he finds them all in hiding in the yes. basement. Yeah. It was just beautiful of like that was a moment that I was like, okay, this is the silence that we need and the quietness um, before giving us that emotional arc of Molly's character. Mm-hmm. I think that too, there's there's just a lot to take away in terms of performances in this. And there's a lot of characters that even side characters I thought did such a great job mm-hmm. making the most of their screen time. And that's another part of the reason why, like, I'm someone who loves Leonardo DiCaprio. I I can't speak for all of us, but I love him in most of the things he's ever done. This was not a movie he needed to lead. And this was not a character that needed to lead this sort of story. And that's where I get frustrated and really upset by the way, the trend that this film went in. Mm -hmm. And, And again, that like boomerang effect of like, Feeling it was like you have, th- like you said, two or three scenes of stillness and really baked in the corruption and what's actually happening. And even some of the um, Lewis can't sell me who plays um, uh, Kelsey Morrison, the guy who is like really corrupt. He's involved in uh, Anna's death. Yeah. And um, other people like uh, like Tommy Schultz who played Blackie Thompson, like they were so good in their roles and they were really just fucked up humans because they leaned into it yeah. As actors. They were like. Okay, I'm playing a fucked up person. I'm I'm gonna. But they still had personality too. Yeah, they and that was that was the part of it. Because you know what, it, it's so as an actor, you have to be aware of like, okay, my character's fucked up, but to the character themselves, they're not. They're so justified. They're yeah. justifying yeah. it. But for Leo, I just felt like he didn't want to decide anything, and he was like, no. "I'm just gonna play it." Like it was I'm... a character study. It was like him to try to test out anything he wanted to do. With yeah, the like I That's felt like felt he like wasn't taking any hard stance on, "Okay, my character is doing this because of this," and so it made it just very wishy washy. Um, 
And they just put way too much emphasis on us trying to have empathy for him. Like, yeah. who gives a shit about his character? And like, by get the out end. of the way. Yeah, by the end of it, nobody cares. Like, we want to see and they, Molly. He, he we want to see her. He has this one um, breakdown scene in the prison cell at the end where he finds out his daughter passed away. Yeah. Um, and it's for, like that causes him. And it's, it's like, okay, obviously you feel like you feel very sad for this daughter that passed away. She didn't have anything to do with it. Um but oh i'm gonna cry my eyes out over this and then not everyone else that you just killed in the entire situation like you just murdered people and suddenly you have yeah the human spirit inside you like that just didn't make because your daughter died yeah meanwhile like you've killed all of meanwhile you're in the middle of trying to murder your wife or you just yeah. tried to I also think, like, why did he have to go to De Niro's character and explain, like, I'm going to turn you in because of this? Like, just go do it. Yeah. And then stop you, getting. That's, yeah. That's another, like, classic movie moment where when those scenes happen, you're like, yes, he's going to take him down. Like, he's going to choose the right side and he's going to be the good guy. And he's going to be the hero mm -hmm. that we deserve to see. He is not a hero. He's not a hero. He just killed people and poisoned his wife. So. When you mislead us like that emotionally, you're kind of left thinking like, where should I lean in this? And what was his morality at the end of the day? It, it was very fuzzy. Okay, so I, I just want to say we've talked a lot about like the ending, but I do want to hear your thoughts, both of you, on the actual ending part where they kind of transitioned to in, like the news broadcasting element. What do you think? Yeah, so I the moment right before that when you get the moment with Molly and Ernest where she's asking, "What did you like? What did you give me?" Mm -hmm. And he said insulin, and then she gets up and walks away because it's obviously more than that that he's killing and he won't admit her. to it. Um, that part I liked, mm -hmm. and I thought it showed a really great moment of strength in her character and independence that I really appreciated. <clears throat> when it transitions into this old timey sort of fifties radio show um and the story is being told in a different way it it reminds me so much of what you've been talking about this whole time where it's like beating the audience over the head mm -hmm. where they're doing another technique of trying to tell us the story about what happened afterwards uh and in the end of the story and yes the story is tragic yes the story is awful william king hale makes off essentially he goes yeah. to jail for a little bit and then he gets out and he gets his money and he gets through it. Molly uh, eventually has a second life. Uh, she divorces Ernest and she ha marries another person. And um, Ernest is the one that goes to jail for life. And he eventually gets out, I think they say. But I don't like the hyper um, the hyper fiction of it all. Mm -hmm. it, it felt very... I don't even know how to explain it. It felt very like wah wah and mm -hmm. I was like I don't really want this right now right now like I I, I don't think that this is the way you want to end this story and it took me out of it completely like I walked out of the movie with that being the last thing I had to see I mean we, we get a little bit of we get we see the Osage sort of yeah, having like, like a celebration shot. of life mm -hmm. um but that to me completely took you out took of it. me out of it what did you think um, I, I thought that it was not as I, I thought that that it was a take on kind of like not making fun, but making fun of today's society and where we feel very bad for things that have happened in the past. But the way we feel bad for them is by marketing 
and making money off of these stories by turning them into entertainment. Um, and I thought that was kind of a take on it of saying like, oh yeah, here we are telling you the story, but it also is getting turned into a news reporting because that's how we're gonna make money on this story. Um, so I thought it was like a little bit more of a nuanced point of view. But then you bring in Scorsese and I was like, wait, so is this honest or is this like making fun of uh, news culture trying to make profit off of horrible stories? Like I, it just kind of was going very opposite way once he came on screen. Yeah, but if you're it also the part like you were talking about with the entertainment purposes too, like I feel like that sheds even more of a light of them trying to make I know what you're saying. They're trying to get a different sort of perspective to, but again, that to me, that to me feels like you're trying to make the audience feel stupid. Well, yeah, it's I like think you, the whole film was trying to make us be like, yeah, you guys, you, don't you know should, what's you happening. should feel bad at the end of the film, yeah, regardless of how it ends. Yeah. It's it's a terrible fucking story of corrupt people that are greedy, and they're brutal, and they literally treat murdering people as if it's like going to get bread at the market. Yeah. Like that is how it's treated, but that is the way. I think Zach can attest is probably the way that it was handled in the book. And that's the way that the book is. Yeah. It's, it's just really like these people were manipulated and taken advantage of in every facet through the courts, through the banks, through their own wealth, through their like people being murdered in their families and people took advantage of how they were perceived and then when you have an ending like this, it, the, obviously the point is to say like, oh, this is how people in that time, they moved on from that. They mm -hmm. kind of bulldoze over that history. They made a radio show out of it and they just made it like their version of 60 Minutes back in the day. And they're like, yeah, this, this is what happened. Um, now we're going to talk about it in entertainment. Yeah. And they spun it as like, yeah, this totally happened and it was messed up. But coming out to our radio show Variety Hour and we're going to talk about it. So I understand what scorsese's intent was there i actually appreciated him in incorporating that that take on that part but when he's getting up on the stage and reading something so uh sincere like i think actually the lines that he did read were in the book and they are really on in her obituary or somewhere mm -hmm. on her tombstone um i'll have to check that but when he's reading those lines it immediately took me out of the movie and I was like, this is this is just pretentious and disrespectful to me. I was like, how how can you you made it about yourself in that mm, way? I don't okay. know if he made it like I don't know. I know his intent. I know he wanted to be the guy that's like, you know, this is a very solemn moment in our history. We have to appreciate this. But had you had any other actor do that, it would have probably driven home the point. But because it was yourself and most people know your likeness and paired with De Niro and Leo and you now just kind of glazed it over. You said, I'm Martin Scorsese. I'm getting on the stage. And now it's about me reading this note. Yeah. You know, and maybe that wasn't his intention, but it felt that way. Like it so. came off like he got on stage to say like, I'm telling this story. I'm the last person. Yeah. I'm the reason that this story got told. Yeah. I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like it would have been more powerful if they had somebody from the, um, the community. The community. Or like a real descendant. Somebody yeah. real from there get up there and speak. I think it would have been more impactful and made it been like, no, these are real people and this was a real story. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. 
We talked a lot. <laughs> I think it's time for scores. Um, Zach, would you like mm-hmm. to start? Would you like to give just a quick roundabout thought in your? Are we doing out of ten? Yes. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna give it a six out of ten. Oh, that's lower than I thought. That's lower than I thought. And um, wow. Mostly because I thought from a directorial standpoint, like we were saying, he does such a good job at immersing us in this world. I just think also probably because I I read the book and I was I had bigger expectations with what parts of the story he was going to include. I felt like he missed a lot of points. I thought the perspectives were a little absent, Um, but a very technically well-made movie like i feel like nobody can refute the the filmmaking quality of it so that's my take but okay um i guess i'll go next because the camera's already on me (laughs) um yeah like i said I i thought the craftsmanship was was really great i thought there were a lot of moments to really love about this film there were a lot of really great heightened moments um at times i think the big problems for me are the writing the pacing um leo's scattered performance trying to make a whole lot of something out of not much Mm -hmm. in terms of the written material um and not being able to give as much of a showcase to certain members of the osage community um and even to an extent lily gladstone's character of molly i think that so much of the character should have been framed um in her life her community her family with uh william king hale as well as jesse plemons character um i've thought about a score a lot uh i still think it's a good movie mm-hmm. i think it's uh you can't dispute scorsese's work as a director so overall i'm gonna give it a 7.5 wow. out of 10 okay okay 7.5 okay <laughs> um uh final thoughts i'm really glad that i saw this in theater I think that for anyone that's still listening, if you really enjoyed The Irishman and the length of that film didn't bother you, then you should absolutely go see this in theater. Um, The shots are just beautiful and to see it at that magnitude really will emphasize it for you. If you can't get through this long of a film, and it's painful for you, just wait for it to come on at your Apple. home so yeah. that you can be comfortable on your couch, pause it when you want. Um, yeah, because the runtime, it's long. I had to leave halfway through it. And then towards the last half an hour, I was like, oh, God, I just want to get up and like walk around. So, yeah. Um, final score. I'm going to go right in between you guys and do a seven okay. because of lily gladstone okay mm-hmm. fair point that's my right. take so that is our full review of killers of the flower moon we gave a little bit of non-spoiler thoughts in the beginning if you guys watched till the end and you still haven't seen the film good on you <laughs> if you want to get through all the spoilers <laughs> then but what? what are you doing we talked here? about a lot um at the same time uh please like share subscribe comment um on this video let us know your thoughts on the film and we have a lot of other exciting films that we're going to be talking about upcoming it is basically officially award season so there's a lot coming um just signing off i am darian scalamoni my other two hosts here are liz seiko and zach miller thanks for listening (laughs) we'll see you guys next time